Here we go, rejecting the screen, the going ISO edition, as we do every week, the long-form interview with all sorts of folks who have touched the NBA and got a good one this week. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West, is Adam Stenko joining us today. Assistant coach of the Denver Nuggets, John Beckett. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and saying assistant coach of the Denver Nuggets sounds really nice, but it sounds even nicer when you could say former Atlanta Hawks ticket sales guy and former production assistant on for Turner and crew member on inside the NBA. So JB, that's where I want to start with your journey is give me the best night you spent with the inside the NBA crew. Oh man, the best night. That's, that's tough because I spent a lot of really, uh, fun nights with those guys. I mean, um, I don't know if one stands out from the other, um, uh, but just have an opportunity to be down there in the green room and, you know, watch basketball with, you know, a great player, a former great player like Charles Barkley and Shaq and, and Kenny and to hear their insights, uh, into the game. Um, and I think even the better part is listening to their stories, you know, stuff that, you know, happened when they were playing, you know, battles that they had with each other, battles they had with other great players and other great teams. Um, So it was just a a great experience just to, you know, be in that room and just to to listen to those guys, you know, talk basketball was was just so much fun. All right. Yeah. Stories are one thing and we all love them Mm -hmm. from those guys, but be honest, give me one instance when Charles is talking and in your head, you're saying he does not know what he's talking about. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Come on! I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know if I if I remember one, and I don't know if I should even tell the story. So I should probably just keep that one. <laughs> just probably keep keep that to myself. Some of those secrets, I think, I think I'm gonna have to go go to the grave with me. <laughs> All right. Do you have a Do you have a Charles Barkley story though? Something the people who who only see him on TV or only watched him play like have just really don't know. I mean. Charles is, you know, he's one of those guys, what you see is is, is what you get. I mean, when you sit there and, you know, the game is going on, um, you know, he'll be watching, you know, the game, but he also has a a monitor or, you know, a television show that he's interested in. or You know, he'll always watch playoff hockey, especially during the playoff time. So he's always into hockey. Uh, I don't, I don't know if many people know that he he's a big hockey fan. Um, so like he he, he multitasks a lot <laughs> when he's watching games. Uh, but the amazing thing is, you know, he can watch a game, you know, just for a few seconds, and he can see what's going on. Uh, he can see what what teams are are trying to do offensively and defensively. I mean, you could just you know listen to him and, and watch the game and see why you know he, he was a great player like like he is. So. John, I want to go back uh, to the start of your career, but even before that, you went to Sandy Creek High School. I know that's also a high school where Calvin Johnson went. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you guys cross paths at all? Didn't cross paths with Calvin. Um, you know, I, I heard of Calvin even when he was really young. Um, you know, you, you hear people talking about how great an athlete he was. Um, so I always heard about him. Um, but for me, when, when I went to school, you know, the big athlete there at the time was uh, Jabari Holloway. Uh, Jabari went on to play tight end at Notre Dame. He was a captain there. Then he got drafted by the Patriots, actually won a ring uh, with the Patriots. He was on that team that won the first uh, championship, first the Rams. Uh, then he ended up playing for Houston. And then Calvin came along some years later. But, you know, from Calvin on, you know, Sandy Creek had a, a rich, you know, football tradition. If you go through and just, you know, look at their, you know, history, there's been a ton of guys that have gone on from there to play major uh, college football and, and, and the play major, um, obviously, in, in, in the pros. And currently right now, I think they have the, a top five ranked junior for basketball, um, Jabari Smith, who uh, his mm-hmm. dad played in the NBA. Now they got, you know, his son is playing there. He's a junior. And, you know, I haven't seen him play, but everything I heard, he's 6'10", and he's a hell of a player. So I expect to, you know, see him playing college basketball and possibly playing in the NBA someday. Yeah, six ten and can play. Yeah, that that'll work. Oh yeah. So so you <laughs> played Georgia State, Eckerd College, and then mm-hmm. spent some time in Germany. What was Correct. the moment in Germany that made you stop and say, "I am a long way from the U.S." Man, it's just everything from 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 the food. You know, 
you know, the food in Germany wasn't too bad, but you know, it's, it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of pork. I'm not a pork eater. It's a lot of sausage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like to drink their beer, uh, which is not a bad thing. Uh, but just, you know, everything was so different just from, you know, the driving, you know, they, you know, they drive on the opposite side and then, you know, the steering wheels on the opposite side. So that's a, a little bit different. Um, and just going over to Germany, it was just, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, I worked so hard to get over there. Um, a friend of mine that played at Edgar College, uh, me and him, you know, we're both seniors, and uh, we kind of made a pact with each other. We said, you know, whoever uh, gets overseas first, you know, we're going to help the other person get over there. So he got over to the team, and he was the best player, and he was able to convince the president to get me over there. Uh, when I got there, it was a lower-level uh, division, Division Four, I believe. Um, so, you know, there, you know, we didn't have all the stuff that you have back in the States. You know, a lot of times – you know, we had to drive ourselves to games. Uh, you know, we're washing our own jerseys and our own practice gear. Um, you know, and then sometimes you know, I'm over there playing against you know teenagers. <laughs> so it was it was hmm. just different from from what I was used to. Uh, wasn't what I was expecting. Um, so when I got over there, you know, I, I quickly realized, you know what, you know, maybe this ain't the, uh, the route for me to go. Okay, so how do you go from playing professionally in Germany? to then being a production assistant at, at Turner and a, a ticket sales rep for the Hawks? Man, the start of my, my, my career after college is, is, is crazy. I was actually working um, for Turner Sports before I went over to Germany. After I got through Ecker College, uh, I moved back to Atlanta. And when I moved to Atlanta, obviously I had you know aspirations to play professional basketball, but I also needed to make some money to – you know, survive. You know, luckily I was able to stay with my parents, um, so I saved money that way. But also needed, you know, just money just to get around and, and to do things. Um, so I met Greg Pike, um, who went to Echo College before me some years uh, through our head coach. And uh, me and him, uh, when I moved back to Atlanta, we would talk, and you know, I explained my situation, what I was trying to do. You know, I, I needed a, a part-time job where I, I, I could make some money. Uh, so he put me in contact, you know, with his guys over at Turner Sports. So I started working at uh, CNN SI. I don't know if you guys remember that. That's you know, sure. a network that they that they used to have. So mm-hmm. um, I started working there. Then I started cutting highlights. So, you know, as you guys know, when you watch ESPN, you know, they'll have a game and they show highlights. So basically what I was doing is watching games and, you know, basically making a highlight, working with an editor and, you know, coming up with a storyline for that game. Um, as I was doing that, um, I got to know some other people that worked for inside the NBA. Um, so just by networking, I was able to meet some people and, you know, they told me about, you know, opportunities to go over there and also do some blogging for inside the NBA. And at that time, it wasn't just on Thursday night. I believe they had it like uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I was over there like three times a week. And, you know, I just got to meet people and I just started moving up the ranks there and, um, I guess a lot of relationships were, were formed because we used to play basketball um, about once or twice a week at a, at, at a local church. And I, I got to know a lot of guys who were anchors, um, a lot of guys that worked, you know, as producers, and you know, did all kind of various jobs with them. And I, I, before you continue that story, I'm, I'm curious, what's, what's the dream at that point? I, there is no dream, honestly. <laughs> there is no dream, you know. At this point, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still, I'm still trying to, you know, you know, play, play professional basketball at some point. Um, but with that, you know, I didn't know where, where, where it was going to take me. You know, I, I went to some G League workouts. Um, you know, I was, I was one of those dudes. You know, they, they still have them now where you pay a certain amount of money to go and try out. So you know, I was doing that. I was going all over the country wherever there was, you know, a G League tryout. I was going. Um, I think at the time. <laughs> which is funny, I, I flew out to Denver because um, the Nuggets were having like an open tryout. Uh, so I heard about open tryout with Denver, so I flew to Denver and they set up like a bunch of courts out, outdoors, similar to have, how, how you see in uh, Hoop It Up. Really? Really? That was an open tryout playing. like that? Yeah. Oh. yeah, it was an open tryout. And, uh, if you, you still have the, the jersey? Team, I, I, it was a t-shirt, and I think I still had the t-shirt. If I go to my dad's house, I might have it you know, somewhere, you know, just packed up. Um, but, yeah, I, I went there, and we were out on the pavement, and we were out there playing. And, you know, if you got chosen, you got the opportunity to go to a training camp with their summer league team. And then from there, if you were able to make it, 
uh, you would be on the summer league roster. And, and I actually think there were a couple of guys that actually made it onto their mm. summer league team, which is, you know, amazing. Uh, but it, it was it was some good competition out there. But, you know, at that point, you know, just like most kids, when you get out of college, I'm just I'm just trying to figure it out. RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Just go to RockAuto.com. Now, Adam, you've got much more experience as an adult with a with a car, much more responsibility. Me living in New York City, we don't own a car, but now being in the suburbs of Philadelphia, dealing with a car, I'm now find myself not just going on different sites looking for houses and just daydreaming, but going on rockauto.com, just thinking about, all right, well, this doesn't sound right or this doesn't sound right in the car, so I just go there. How, how often are you thinking about, all right, something is wrong with the car, I gotta figure this out? It's constant. Our, our mutual friend, Mike Yam, actually sold me his car. And uh, I don't want to say it's a lemon, but Yam got the most of me. You know what I mean? Wow. So I love the car. It was his baby, but I, I he had it during its its prime years. I got it mm. during the Michael Jordan Wizards years. You know what I mean? It's still a fine mm. automobile. There were a few does good the nights. job. It yeah. gets you 20, but you're not going to the playoffs. You're not winning a title. Uh, but exactly. So things pop up all the time, and that's where Rock Auto comes in. It's been it's been huge to be able to reach out, see what the deal is, and uh, get it taken care of. And what and just another benefit is that it's it's a family business. They've served auto parts customers online for twenty years. They've got auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they make things really really easy to navigate. So just write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they'd know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Did you ever in any of those G League tryouts? Did you ever? play in front of looking back on it play in front of any guys that you now work with you know what i cannot i, I cannot remember like i'm sure there has to be some some people out there that you know I, i've worked with or probably build relationships with you know over the years but off the top of my head i i, I cannot remember i mean I, I just remember going to those tryouts and just being so so focused and trying to do everything so perfect um, it was, uh, it was, you know, a hard time, but it was also a fun time because, you know, I, you know, I really didn't have any responsibilities at the time, no family, you know, uh, luckily, you know, when I went to college, I didn't have, you know, I, I was on a scholarship, so I didn't have any debt. So I was just all over the place, just, you know, trying to chase my dream of playing, you know, pro ball. All right. So then how'd you end up selling season ticket packages for the Hawks? <laughs> Which is funny, man. It's, it, it, it's, it's crazy because if you talk to, Every assistant coach in the NBA, I'm sure everyone has a unique story. It's 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 very hard to get on this level, and you know everyone has has had to pay their dues. For me, after I came back from Germany, um, you know, just like the question you asked, what 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 was my goal? I had I had no clue. Um, I was trying to figure it out. So when I got back, um, I was still working. You know, I got back on doing part time work at Turner Sports. And um, I was still going to the gym during the day and working out and playing basketball with you know local guys there. And um, at the gym I was going to at, at the time, um, one of the gym members, uh, he said that he had a friend that worked with the Atlanta Hawks. And he kept on trying to tell me, you know, just set up a meeting, go talk to him. You know, he might have some good advice or he might have something for you. Um, so I finally, you know, reached out to his friend with the Hawks. Um, we had this, we had a meeting. And it was a productive meeting. He was actually the head of ticket sales for for the Hawks at the time, and um, you know he just offered me a, a job as a, a temporary sales rep, so basically kind of like, you know, a, a tryout type of period to see if I like it. Um, so I I did it, and you know I guess you know I did it pretty good because he offered me a job, and uh, that's where the whole you know journey for me you know started in terms of going uh, the coaching route, and that was a, a very difficult job for me. Never, you know, worked in a cubicle before. Never worked really nine to five. Um, you know, had to dress up wearing slacks and a, a collared shirt. Um, that was very different, different for me. Um, you know, I'm I'm sending out, I'm calling, you know, thousands of people a day. If you bought a single ticket to a Hawks game, I'm I'm calling you up, trying to like upsell you to, you know, buy a full season, a half season, you know, uh, a Chick Fil A family night, you know, anything. 
Uh, also <laughs> sending out blasts. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy. Sending out blast emails, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it wasn't a job that I was, you know, particularly fond of. But you know, it was it was something at the time, you know, for me to make money. Was that was that the Lon Kruger days? Uh, yeah, it was actually uh, Lon Kruger. I came the the last year of, of Lon Kruger. I think he was actually let go um, midway through that season. I think Terry Stotts actually right. took over um, mm-hmm. during, during that point. Uh, but I think during that season, they made the um, – I don't know if you guys recall, but the Hawks made this guarantee that they'll make the playoffs or they'll give season ticket holders money back or it was something like that. It, it, it was crazy. So, you know, that whole year, you know, it, it's funny. You know, people call into, the like, the ticket line and they want to <laughs> complain about the team, want the money back. And this is my first time dealing with, you know, customers like that. You know, prior to this, I had no <laughs> experience in sales. So it was just like, you know, people are calling and complaining. And this is when I knew I wasn't too good at sales because they were complaining and, you know, saying stuff about the team and I was agreeing with them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, so, wait. I don't understand. So wait, so did you have to give back? Did, you, did they have to give back all the money? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't recall, you know, the, the specifics about the promotion, but I know there was some money that was given back to some season ticket holders because, uh, because of the promotion, I I just can't remember exactly you know you know the details of it. Was your season ticket holder? Was the season ticket pitch like come see Sharif, Glenn Robinson, Ira Newbill, and the former <laughs> guest on former guest on this podcast, Dan Dickow? Like what's the pitch? <laughs> I mean, I don't I, I don't I don't exactly remember. I just know that you know going into that year, um, I know that guys came back early. You know earlier than usual for like off season workout. And I'm, and I remember everyone, you know, was, was just, you know, excited about that and saw guys working hard. And I don't know if that played into them, you know, wanting to make that guarantee. Uh, again, that was so long ago now, a lot of specifics. I, I, I don't remember. Uh, the part I do remember is dealing with a lot of those season ticket holders. <laughs> I do remember that. I could just, I could just picture these guys complaining about the team and you're like, Listen, when I'm coach, you won't have to worry about any of that. I'll get these guys. <laughs> I got power development skills. You won't believe. <laughs> my my whole goal was 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 just trying to keep those ticket holders as happy as possible, which was very difficult. Of course, of course. <laughs> hey, it's a it's a job lots of us have to have to do throughout. So I had read the story that you would play uh, pickup games on the uh, Hawks practice court when the team's out of town. And that's how you get connected with Luke Steele, their video coordinator, which takes you Mm -hmm. to the next step of your career. So what is, what is, what does that look like? You, um, you starting out as a video coordinator for people that aren't familiar with, with that role in an organization, what's it entail? Uh, Video coordinator, like, you know, the, the video coordinator for any NBA organization is extremely important. Um, it's a, it's a thankless job, but it's, it's a job that's extremely important. Um, basically, you know, it's kind of a entry level job for, for guys that haven't played in the NBA. Uh, so when you get in that job, you're watching a ton of film. Uh, you're, it's a little different now because everything is, is digital. But, uh, when I was there, you know, you had to, you know, record games. Um, you had to use, you know, the, the VHS, you know, deck to deck. Uh, so, you know, cutting up games was very time consuming. It's not like how it is now where, you know, it's digitized and, you know, a lot of times, you know, the NBA uh, has already broken the game down for you. When I mean break it down, um, if you're a video coordinator, uh, you want to be as detailed as possible breaking down the game because it makes it easier anytime the coach asks you for something. So if you're watching, you know, a game from last night and the coach is like, well, I want to see all the pick and rolls, you know, um, with uh let's say someone that played back then um i don't know terrell brandon uh you already have have logged the game down where you can just go to it and 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 get those pick and rolls and give it to them if you don't have it broken down at the time that means you got to go back and rewatch the game and go find all the pick and rolls with them uh so it, it was very tedious you know the, the funny part about it you know when i got hired for the job you know they asked me if i had any you know technology experience any video experience I had none, but, you know, I had to lie and tell them, yeah. Uh, my whole <laughs> thing is, you know, <laughs> I was just trying to get, get my foot in the door. And, you know, my whole mindset was, you know, whatever it is, I'll learn it once I get in there. Yeah. Um, so I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to use the equipment. 
Uh, luckily, you know, Luke Steele was very patient. Luke was uh, a very good teacher. Uh, so he was very, he was uh, able to, to teach me how to use everything. And, you know, I picked it up pretty quickly. And um, it was a job that was great for me because, you know, I learned the NBA. Um, I played high school basketball, uh, played college, played briefly, you know, overseas. And, you know, when that first few weeks on, on the job, I thought I knew basketball and I really didn't. Um, the terminology was so much different than, than what I was accustomed to. And then plus, you know, I, I had no idea how detailed um, the, the, the NBA was. You know, I think a lot of times people look at the game, they think those guys are out there just playing. But no, there's uh, there's a lot of detail into going into the offensive and defensive scheme and the game plan is, you know, it, it, it's tedious and it, it's a lot. At this point, I'm trying to figure out how many banana nut bars <laughs> from Bill Farr I can eat in a day. So it's, it's real chocolate on the outside. They're soft and chewy. And now I put a few in the refrigerator and they're awesome there also. So high protein. So you can feel like this is a legit protein bar for you to eat after a workout, before a workout, low sugar, which is the most important and low calorie peanut butter, brownie, mint brownie, the banana nut bar. There's plenty of chocolate and nut flavors, and then there's eight chocolate nut-free flavors also, but all of it is covered in 100% chocolate. Just go to BuiltBar.com. The promo code is locked on. You'll get $10 off your first order. Guaranteed. High protein, low sugar, low calorie, killer tasting protein bars. Delicious. Use the promo code locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. You ever mess up and get called out for it? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know, a, a lot of times, you know, when, at that time when you're dealing with, you know, the VHS, you know, it's one of those things, you know, it, it's not like on on demand where you just press one button to have a game record. Um, you had mm -hmm. to set the timer. So, you know, there was a couple of times when you set the timer, and you know, let's say the power went out that night and there's no game. Um, so at that oh. time, if you're missing the game, um there was this company called Hoop One in New Jersey. You can call up and they could send you the game. But when they send it to you, you the fastest you could get there was just overnight. Uh, so if I didn't have the game, you know, luckily, um, you know, at that time, uh, the practice facility for the Hawks was right in, it was called, the arena was called State Farm. At that now, back then it was called Phillips Arena. Uh, Phillips Arena was right next to, um, you know, CNN and, you know, Turner Sports. So if I didn't have a game, you know, I was lucky that I could just go right next door using my connections with Turner Sports and huh. get a game and then bring it back. So <laughs> I was lucky that, you know, there was a couple of times it, 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 it got close, but I was able to go next door and get the game and that saved me. Adam asked you before what the, what the dream was at that, mm -hmm. when, you, when you were, this was pre even ticket sales. So now you're a video coordinator. Mm -hmm. What's the dream? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I'm still trying to figure it out now. Um, luckily, you know, during that time, I was able to wear a, a, a ton of hats. Um, obviously, you know, I had my responsibility being a video coordinator, but um, I was also on the court, you know, helping with player development. At that time, you know, my job there was just basically to, to rebound. So, you know, if I was rebounding or if I was, you know, playing token defense on a guy, I was trying to be the best rebounder and, and, the, and, the, and the best defender out there to help help those guys, you know, make the workouts as game-like as possible. Um, but I was also, anytime the team went on the road, I wasn't traveling with the team full-time. So if the team went on the road, um, you know, the front office would allow me to go out and scout. So anywhere that I could drive in my car, um, I was going out to scout college prospects. So I was going to Clemson, I was going to Georgia Tech, I was going to Georgia, I was going to Georgia Southern, Wofford, Alabama, anything that was usually two two hours to two and a half hours away. I was out scouting when those guys were gone. Um, so at that time, you know, honestly, I thought my, my future was going to be in the front office. Um, I was able to scout, but I was also able to be in draft meetings. And, you know, being that, you know, I was scouting and seeing some of these prospects, you know, I was able to have a voice in those meetings. Um, so in my mind, I'm thinking that, you know, I'm going to go to front office route. What do you learn about the game? You sort of alluded to it before, but but what do you learn about the game as a as a as a advanced scout and as also like a video coordinator? What are you learning about the NBA that the people watching at home just have no clue about? Um, just you know, uh, you know, 
everything, you know, why, why coaches have, you know, certain rotations, uh, why coaches have maybe, you know, you know, you watching the game and you want to see, you know, the best players match up and may, maybe why they don't have those guys matching up at, at, at that particular time. Um, why are they running this play? And, you know, it's, it's just a, a lot of details that, you know, go into it. And, you know, when I first started the, the, the an- analytics part, you know, that wasn't as big. And then over the years, you see, you know, how much, you know, the numbers play, play a part in, you know, how guys, you know, you know, look at guys in terms of drafting or, you know, who to play or, you know, the lineups, you know, you, you want this guy to play with this certain guy. Um, so there, there's just so much that goes into it. It's, you know, it's funny, you know, I have, you know, a social media page, I have a Instagram and a Twitter. So, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll go in there and, you know, I probably shouldn't do this, but, you know, I'll read the comments and, you know, I'll, I'll see people complaining about why is this person playing or why did he do that? And, you know, I want to chime in and, you know, tell, tell, tell people, you know, the reason why, but I got to control myself and, and, and let it go. But, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that, that goes into a, a game plan that I think the public just doesn't understand. All right. So tell us what we didn't understand or didn't get to see about Josh Smith. <laughs> you know, Josh is just, you know, uh, Josh was a very talented player, you know, uh, you know, the issue. And, and I know, you know, a lot of fans, you know, they weren't, you know, particularly happy with him, you know, seeing the amount of three that he shot. Um, but the thing with Josh, Josh is, you know, you know, I think what a lot of people don't understand, um, a lot of times what, what, what people don't like about these players, that's what made these players make it to the level that they made it to. Um, you know, Josh maybe didn't shoot the three, you know, as, as good, you know, as maybe people wanted him to shoot, but Josh is a very confident individual. So, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he worked on his threes. He's a guy that, you know, you know, put in the time. Um, so since he put in the time, he felt like he was confident shooting the threes. Um, now did, did the coach maybe want him to do something else? Uh, probably so, but you know, the thing with Josh and the thing with a lot of these professional players they have the utmost confidence in their skills. So he felt like, you know, the shots that he shot, those were shots that he can make. Aside from the the player development side of things, being a video coordinator, there's there's a lot of politics, unfortunately, in, in any business, but there's a lot of politics that go into keeping a job, moving up in a certain mm. job. How did you learn and who did you learn from how to play that game to the extent that you have? Um, I mean, I was blessed to work with, you know, a lot of great coaches. Um, uh, the first head coach I worked for uh, was Mike Woodson. Um, under him was Larry Drew, who would eventually became the head coach there as well. Um, but, you know, I could just name some of the guys, you know, Bob Bender, um, Nick Van Exel, um, David Fisdale, um, Kenny Atkinson. Um, I learned from, from, from all of those guys. And in terms of the politics of the game, you know, even now, I really don't play the politics of the game. You know, I learned from those guys, you know, just work hard, um, you know, be on time, um, just give it your all, and, and, and good things will happen. And, you know, that's what happened with me. Um, you know, I would say, you know, coaches – or another coach, Lester Connor, I forgot him. He was very influential uh, for me, especially getting out here to Denver. Uh, he's a coach that, you know, I, I rely on right now to this day who, you know, I call for advice. But – um, the coaches that, you know, I really took, took a lot from, obviously, Lester, uh, who, who I just mentioned, but also Kenny Atkinson. Um, you know, I did player development, obviously, you know, I helped out with that. But when Kenny came, he came to the Hawks my, uh, my last season there with them. And um, I just learned a ton from him. And if you know anything about the NBA, Kenny Atkinson, he's known for his player development. And uh, that one season with him, you know, you know, I tell Kenny all the time, a lot of you know, stuff that I do in terms of player development, you know, the way, the way, you know, I, I go about it. I got it from him. Um, his attention to detail, um, the way that he works with guys every day, his energy, um, the way he watches film, the way he watches film with players, um, and just the way that he can explain things to get guys to understand, you know, that left an impression on me. And uh, that was huge in terms of uh, helping me advance in, in, in the player development route. So then why isn't he a head coach anymore? I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know how it is. It's a crazy situation. There's, yeah. 
you know, in, in, in all, you know, professional sports, you know, guys do a great job. And, you know, even if they do a great job, things happen and, you know, they, they get out of a job. Uh, Kenny did an unbelievable job there with Brooklyn. I think, you know, me, like most people, were shocked when, you know, he, he was let go or, you yeah. know, they decided to part ways. Um, why the reason is, you know, I have no clue. I'm, I'm not in Brooklyn on an everyday basis mm-hmm. uh, to know what's going on. But, you know, I do know that Kenny is, you know, a great coach and, you know, players love him. And, you know, he'll get another opportunity in this league very soon. Do you get the sense that, like when, when Kenny got let go and other guys have lost jobs or kept jobs, I often hear, well, he's he's a good player development guy, but the team needs more than that. Or, well, he's a good player development guy, but now they got this free agent and he's not going to listen to just a player development guy. I'm starting to hear more and more the player development guy right. be just a, well, you're going to be good for a certain situation for two or three years but you're never going to be able to take those next steps as a head coach. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you hear stuff like that. Um, you know, it's hard for me to comment on it because, you know, I've never been in the position of being a head coach and, mm-hmm. and, and, and having to go through that. Um, and I don't know, like every, every situation is different. I mean, um, just by watching, you know, the last dance that was on, uh, saw Doug Collins did an unbelievable job with the Bulls, you know, took them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but they ended up letting him go, bringing in Phil Jackson, and you saw the team, you know, rise up and, you know, become NBA champions and, and have a dynasty. Uh, you look at more recently the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Mark Jackson uh, did an unbelievable job with those guys. Um, I think they made the playoffs. They actually upset the Nuggets um, to go to the second round. Um, and then they ended up going with Steve Kerr, and then they go with Steve Kerr, and then they go to the championship. Um, I wish, you know, I had an answer for why that happens. Sometimes, you know, you know, a, a new voice is needed and, you know, it gets guys motivated to do other things. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I hope that's a label that doesn't stick around that, you know, player development guys can only take guys, you know, so far. Um, I hope that gets changed, you know, in the very near future. Uh, because, you know, maybe I'm biased being, you know, a guy that's, you know, invested in player development. I think player development guys, you know, have a unique relation relationship with players because you're always on the floor, you're always out there working with them and sweating with them. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, player development guys, they can be, you know, coaches that can get guys to a championship. And, you know, I hope there's a coach, you know, someday that come along and they can change that, just similar to how they said you couldn't win the championship shooting a lot of threes. And look at it now, the whole league is three. So hopefully that gets changed soon. Yeah, it seems like, of course, of course it should. I'm, I'm totally with you. What, uh, so, you're, so you're doing player development with the Hawks, and then you get an opportunity. Well, actually, with, with, the Hawks, with the Hawks, I was doing, uh, my title was video coordinator, but I did a lot of player development. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So so know you're doing some of that, assisting on, on, that, on that front. Mm. And then this opportunity pops up to be a, an assistant with the Delaware 87ers that's minor league, obviously affiliated with the Sixers. So, but I had read you had a tryout to coach. Yeah. That. I've never yeah. heard of that in my, all my years covering basketball, I've never heard of a coach getting a tryout. To, it almost sounded like something out of a, a bad sitcom on basketball. Like one <laughs> of the episodes, well, he's going to get a tryout to coach or something. So what, take me through that experience. Well, man, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, that whole summer, you know, after I was, my contract wasn't renewed with Atlanta, um, this was my first time going through the experience of, you know, not being in the league and, and, and looking for a job. So it was, um, it, it was a very nervous time for me because I didn't know what to do. So, you know, that whole summer, uh, just contacts I made, you know, with players throughout the years, you know, I reached out to them. So, um, I would start working out guys, you know, anywhere from professional level players all the way down to to middle school. And, you know, my days would be long. It would be anywhere from 8 a.m. To, to 8 p.m. And I would be out the whole day. Uh, not saying that I would work out guys that whole time, but, you know, I was driving all over Metro Atlanta. So uh, I don't know if you guys know anything about Atlanta, but the traffic is crazy. It's, Sucks. it's very hard right. To, right. to go someplace and want to go home for a little bit and then go back out. So, I would just go out and, you know, anytime I had any downtime, uh, I would sleep in my car. I would find a parking deck uh, or, or a tree or go underneath a tree that I had some shade and, 
you know, try to get some sleep or maybe go to a Starbucks and, you know, have a drink, have a drink there in terms of a coffee and, you know, get on my internet. Um, so it, it was tough. So I talked with some teams and I thought I had some leads going, going somewhere, but it, it never came about. Uh, so about October was coming along. And as you guys know, by that time, you know, most teams are in training camp, you know, I don't have anything going. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm scared. I'm nervous. Um, out of the blue, I get a call from Brandon Williams, who's the general manager of the 87ers. Um, he knows a guy that um, I used to work with the Hawks, and um, he put my name in with him because they were looking for, you know, coaches uh, for their first year of having a staff. Now, saying all this, this was probably about two weeks before, you know, the G League season was starting out. So the 87ers at the time didn't have any coaches. They, they hired a head coach, and they were trying to figure out who the assistants would be. So uh, Brandon, you know, Brandon didn't know me. All he knew was what, you know, he heard from a friend of his that, you know, that mutual friend that him and I had. Um, so basically he wanted to get to know me. So he flew me uh, to Delaware, um, you know, and had me, you know, in practices, leading some practices. Obviously the head coach would lead the practice, uh, but he would give me certain drills to do and workout guys. And they would just observe and, you know, see how the players took to me. And, um, that was basically my tryout period. I never had anything like that. Like, you know, you hear players trying out for a team, you don't hear a coach trying out for a team. <laughs> uh, so that was uh, uh, very unique. Uh, but it was it was it, it was good for me. Um, you know, the the G League prepared me for where I'm at right now. Um, I had the opportunity to wear a ton of hats, uh, to do things that you know I wasn't able to do in Atlanta in terms of um, scouting reports, uh, get in front of the team and um and preparing them for for, for the game um uh, but also i had to do other things i had to drive the van you know if guys wanted mm -hmm. to go you know to for extra practice i had to drive the van if they wanted to go eat i had to do you know the laundry i had to make sure that you know we i set up the transportation anytime we went to a team you know you know a visiting team at, at the airport um so i did a, a, a ton of things and you know, it was hard at first because I was spoiled. I was, you know, living the NBA lifestyle for, for nine seasons. Now I'm going to the G League where I had to do everything for myself. So um, it was something that was needed because it humbled me and, you know, it made me work hard. And I think that's what propelled me to get where I'm at now. Was there a, hey, man, got to snap out of it moment? Like when early on when you may have felt like you were in that funk, like that you'd been used to that NBA lifestyle and now it's a little bit different. Was there a moment? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a great foundation. Um, my family and friends, you know, they're very supportive, but they'll also let me know, you know, when I'm when I'm wrong. And I remember, you know, talking to, um, you know, my, my family and friends and complaining about the situation and, you know, they just got on me. They, just, you know, they called me spoiled. They were like, you know, you're in a situation right now that, you know, people, you know, pray for. Uh, it's an opportunity and look at it as an opportunity, you know get there, you know, work hard, you know, learn as much as you can, and you'll be back in the NBA, you know, as soon as possible. And, you know, during that time when they say that, like, you know, it, it kind of goes in one year after the other because, you know, here I am in, you know, Delaware, and, you know, I'm in an apartment, sharing an apartment with, with another coach, and, <laughs> and you seem like it's so far away from the NBA. Um, but again, man, I, I, I can't emphasize enough how, how, how much the G League was great for me in, in terms of my, my growth as a coach. And it's funny because, you know, I knew coaches that were in the G League when I was with the Hawks, and a bunch of them used to always tell me, you know, you need to go to the G League, you'd be great for you, you need to go to the G League, you would be great for you. And I didn't really listen to them. I didn't think that would that would be the case, but they were absolutely right. The G League, you know, helped me to grow, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for that experience. Who were the guys that you saw there on the court that – have now gone on to stick in the league. And at the time, did you think that those guys would do it? Uh, we had one guy who was, you know, very young. He was, his name is Norbel Pell. He's, oh, yeah. um, he's about 6'10", very athletic at the time. You know, I think he was just coming out of high school or maybe a, a year removed from it. And uh, he was raw. Um, you know, his habits needed to improve in terms of like, you know, he, I think, you know, the misconception is, you know, these guys work hard. Um, but I think a lot of these guys don't know how to work, if that makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. you know when the stuff that they were able to do in high school, um, your role might not be that in the NBA, especially as, as a younger player. So, 
you know, a lot of times it's, you know, the player development, getting them to understand, you know, what their role is and getting them to do that role really well so they can get on the court, you know, so the coach can trust them. Um, so Norville was a guy who really didn't under, understand all that. Um, but, you know, he did work. And uh, that whole year, you know, he worked extremely hard. And I think now he just had his first year in the NBA this year. So it's been six years, you know, that he was grinding and working hard. And, you know, we played Philly and, you know, to see him on the roster or, you know, and I see games that he's got in, you know, I just, you know, pulled him aside and just told him, you know, how, how proud I am of him that, you know, he stuck with it and, you know, he worked hard and, you know, he's, you know, he was benefited from it and, you know, there's a few guys that have done it in the, in the G League, but, you know, with Norvell, he's a person that I have a personal, you know, relationship with. So he's the one guy that, you know, I'm very excited and very happy for. On your current team, the Nuggets, you've got a guy that had obviously unique background. Michael Porter Jr. talked about as as the second coming, coming out of high school, gets mm-hmm. hurt during his college stint, now trying to find his role in the league. What types of things – have you been working on what, what's the next step for Michael Porter? Hmm. Uh, Mike is, you know, extremely talented. He's, you know, one of the more talented players I ever had the opportunity to work with. Um, you know, Mike with him is just understanding, you know, the NBA game. Um, he's, he's a very good scorer. Um, obviously with his size, you know, he can do, you know, a lot of things, shoot it, you know, with range to post up, to finish at the basket whether it be a skilled finish or a finish strong with the dunk. Uh, with him, it's just going to come with experience. It's going to come, you know, learning, you know, you know, defensively, you know, what, it, what does he need to do, uh, you know, going to schemes um, and offensively knowing, you know, where his shot's going to come from, um, knowing, you know, the offense like the back of his hand, um, knowing the NBA, you know, the personnel, guys that you're playing, uh, knowing what the, op- the opposition is trying to do when they're o- when they are on offense, and then defensively, what are they doing to try to stop you? So for him, you know, it's going to be just experience. You know, him, you know, learning stuff um, that's not necessarily has to do with skill, but just has to do with his basketball IQ. Um, so with him, it's just mainly just that experience. Being so heavily involved in player development, can guys get better if they aren't getting? 20 minutes on the court as a rookie or second year player? Um, I mean, obviously the best way to learn, the best way to get better is to play basketball, but yeah, 100%, you can definitely learn um, by not playing. Um, You know, someone like Mike, you know, obviously his first year he was injured, so uh, he didn't get the opportunity to play, but, you know, we've had a lot of film sessions with him. You know, it's a lot of, you know, watching guys on our team that plays his position or maybe watching guys on opposing teams uh, that he would match up with. Um, so, yeah, obviously you need to play basketball to get better at basketball, but you can definitely learn by just sitting and actually observing and, and seeing what's going on. Now, you know, it's harder because, you know, especially a young guy and especially a young guy that's, you know, accustomed to playing a lot of minutes, it's hard. Um, but if the guy, if the player can stay focused if you can look at this as an opportunity to get better, yes, they definitely can improve just by observing and watching. All right, I want to talk about Jokic. Give me the the craziest feat of strength that you've witnessed from him. Um, you know, with him, you know, he's he's extremely he's very strong. Um, I mean, if you just watch him in the post, the way that he he moves guys, is just, you know, one or two or maybe three dribbles and. You know, he can get to anywhere he wants on the floor, backing guys down. You know, that's just, you know, it's 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 impressive. But I think the most impressive thing for him is, you know, being that, you know, he as strong as he is, uh, his touch. I mean, his touch is just, you know, it's, it's something you can't teach. I mean, he works at it, obviously, but, you know, there's a lot of guys that can work on that and never have the same touch that he has. Um, if you look at some of the game winners he has, you know, just, you know, going through my head right now, the one that he had against Dallas last season, um, where he, it looked like he was off balance and the ball had no chance of going in. You know, it just went straight through the net. Or, you know, at Miami that same season, you know, it was a pick and roll with him and Jamal Murray. and He rolled to the basket. He was able to make a floater over Bam uh, at, at a bio. Um, you know, the shots that he makes, the touch that he has, is just, it's just amazing because you don't see guys – typically that strong that have a touch like he has. Um, 
So, you know, Nikola is just a guy that he, he amazes you every day. He does something that you just you haven't seen before. I don't know if you've seen his shirt off in any of your Zoom calls, which I'm sure you guys have, have had with all your players constantly, but uh, Jamal Murray says he's got a four-pack right now, so I'm excited to see the new uh, <laughs> yeah. Joker body. I don't know if you can tell yeah. us if that if that exists. No, it, it definitely exists. Um, you know, Joker has been in the gym. Uh, you know, he, he, he didn't go back home. He's been in Denver the whole time. Um, obviously, uh, we didn't have access to the facilities um, for a while. Uh, but our strength and conditioning coaches uh, did a great job of, you know, getting him equipment and giving him a program. And to Nicola's credit, you know, he, he stayed in, the, he, he stayed after it, and uh, he ate right, and you know, he lost weight. And then once we were able to get back in the gym, and you know, I would come in there and, and see him shooting. And there were times where he was shooting and he had his shirt off, and uh, you know, he's never really done that before. And uh, <laughs> he's proud of, yeah, he's proud of the work that he's done. And um, and you can see he's in really great shape. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely excited uh, to see him, you know, down in Orlando once the game starts because, you know, I think he's going to have uh, a great run down there. He's he's such a unique talent. I, it, it makes me curious about this, John. When you're working on player development, I know you've talked about the idea that you, you base your workouts and, and the development on stats and then the feedback mm. you get from, from coaching staff and what have you. I'm also curious, mm. how much do you have to factor in the style that your team plays and your strategy? Because there's no one else in the league who plays like Joker. And so he's a guy catches the ball high post, and then he's hitting people with these unbelievable backdoor passes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So how much in terms of, oh, well, we, because we have these guys on the team, your skill set has to be this, as opposed to other guys who – other team other situations which it might be just let's get this guy as good as he can be or be the best shooter he can be or what have you how much do you have to factor in what your roster looks like oh that's that's huge um you know i couldn't put a percentage on it but that makes up the majority of the workout um so for guys you know we want them to be effective that goes with you know talking with the coaches as as you just mentioned uh we want guys to work on shots that they're going to get in games uh we have a very unique team in that you know our center you know, handles the ball a lot. And he's kind of a, a center point for us. Um, so, yes, a lot of the stuff that we do on workouts is, you know, we'll do a lot of backdoor stuff. We'll do um, a lot of DHOs. And for people who don't know DHOs, that's dribble handoffs. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think I don't have the stats in front of me, but Nicola got to be, if he's not number one, he's got to be top three in terms of DHOs in the NBA. Uh, so a lot of the workouts that we do with our perimeter players, it, it, it's based on DHOs. Um, it's a lot of cuts because Nicola handles the ball. You know, we want guys to always move it off the ball because Nicola is uh, such a really good passer. So you're 100% right. A lot of the stuff that we do in workouts, um, it is dictated by the way we play in terms of uh, the spacing and the shots that guys guys will get. That's not to say that we won't work on other aspects, but usually those aspects of the games in terms of like, you know, one-on-one and multiple dribble moves, we leave that more towards the offseason when we're maybe trying to uh, um, add stuff to a, a player's game. Right. All right. So so what do you do now with everybody going to the bubble and mm-hmm. the, the workouts are all hands-off and just so different and the world's upside down? How do you mm-hmm. prepare how do you prepare a team for unprecedented situations? I mean it's crazy. Um obviously um We've never been through this situation before. Um, workouts are very different. Uh, you know, we got to stay at least 12 feet apart. We're wearing masks and we're wearing gloves. Uh, and typically with my workouts, you know, I'm very hands-on. I like to get out there. I like to play defense on guys. I'm challenging shots. I'm bumping them, uh, having them finish through contact, you know, at the rim or, you know, making jump shots with me contesting it. Uh, so none of that we can do right now. So um, the best that we can do is, you know, a lot of the stuff we're going to do is, is full court. Uh, we want guys to get up and down the floor, you know, get them in the best shape possible uh, that we can. And then also, you know, make the, the shooting drills as, as difficult as possible. Uh, for example, you know, it might be something where they got to make 10 in a row, you know, three pointers from five spots. Or, or we do a shooting drill where, shooting 100 threes and you know you got to make 80 or better and if you don't we got to do it again or we do you know any type of drills using time which makes the guys go you know at a little bit faster pace 
So right now, you know, you know, with me uh, in player development and, and the other player development coaches, uh, we get an opportunity to be very creative, which is, you know, fun. Um, uh, we like that. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a time to just try different things and, and see if we can get these guys ready for um, Orlando. What, what, if anything, are you guys doing in terms of preparation for games that won't look like NBA games? Mm, like, give me, like, give me an example. What do you mean? I'm saying that? no fans. The fact that you know the crowd noise might be piped in by 2K, apparently, like based <laughs> on neutral courts. Yeah, yeah, no home court advantage. I mean, all those things. What any? Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's psychological. But is there is there anything that you can tell us that that you're doing to prepare your team for this unique situation they're about to embark on? You know, honestly, with 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 that experience, you know, we haven't had the opportunity to really, you know, go over that type of stuff. Um, you know, practicing, um, we haven't been able to do that. All the workouts have been, you know, one on one. When we do talk with coaches, you know, a lot of times it's on, you know, Zoom meetings and. You know, it's it's just been so crazy. We haven't had, you know, the opportunity to really go over stuff like that because with this situation, there's so many different layers that, that, that we're going through. You know, uh, before this, you know, the NBA stopped, you know, we were thinking that, you know, we might go straight to the playoffs. So, you know, we were preparing for Houston because that's who we would have been matched up with. Now, you know, we have no idea who we're going to be playing because you have eight regular season games. And mm-hmm. you look at the standings, uh, especially three through seven, you know, I think there's maybe two to three games that separates everybody. So, you know, things can change. And then there's no really, not really, there is no home court advantage. Um, so, you know, you know, we don't know if maybe teams are going to try to like, you know, maybe try to, the standings, make it how they want to make it because they want a certain matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't talked about that or anything like that either. So, you know, all this stuff that, you know, you mentioned, you know, we really haven't gone in depth about any of that yet. So those are the conversations with the team. How about the conversations at home? You've got a six month old and you've had all this time at home, which is also unprecedented for anyone in athletics to have all this time at home. So you've been fortunate for that, but how does that conversation go at home knowing that starting, you know, late July, you might be gone for two to three months. That's the thing, you know, you know, me and my uh, fiance, Heather, um, you know, we've had a conversation about that recently once, you know, the NBA said that they're going to restart. And, um, you know, my son is, you know, five months going on six months very, very soon. And, um, you know, I'm so accustomed to being home and, you know, being daddy. And I think I've become pretty good at it when I want to, <laughs> When everything first, you know, stopped and I was homeless, but uh, Heather would have to tell me everything to do. Now, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the autopilot. Uh, I know how to handle all the different situations. I know how to make the bottles. I know about his silence, you know, you know <laughs> bed. I know how to put him to sleep. Well, whenever he wants to stay asleep. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be tough because, you know, there's no telling how long we're going to be now in Orlando. And obviously, I, I would love to see my family, but you know, the NBA hasn't given, you know, anybody any direction in terms of, you know, if you can have family or guests yet, you know, I've heard rumors, I'm sure as you guys have heard, um, but they haven't let anybody know the the specifics yet. So um, right now we're going to plan, hopefully, you know, we get opportunity for, you know, my family to come down there and, you know, spend maybe a week or two with me. Um, Hopefully that happens sooner than later when we're down there. If not, you know, it's just going to be a a lot of FaceTime and a lot of phone calls. Mm -hmm. If if the Nuggets win the NBA championship, it it will because what went right for your team? Um, I think first and foremost, I think that we would probably would have been one of the more healthy teams. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, not any 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 player um catching the coronavirus and not any player, you know, having any um serious injury. Um, I think that's that's a, a big concern about most teams is you know, guys have had a, a long layoff. Um, and even if you've been working out, you know, most guys, not to, not to my knowledge, have been playing five on five, getting up and down the floor. Um, and then going to Orlando, you know, hearing what, you know, you, you hear, um, you know, there's going to be eight regular season games and it sounds like they're going to be, you know, kind of close together. So injuries is going to be a concern. So um, I think if the Nuggets win the NBA championship, uh, I think we would have stayed, relatively uh, injury-free 
And then also the fact that, you know, we've had a team that stayed together for, you know, a number of years right now, especially our core mm-hmm. um, guys, guys, you know, know each other. And there's not going to be a period where, you know, we need to figure it out. Okay. You know, where does this guy want to shot? Uh, what did this guy uh, want me to do when he has the ball? You know, I think the good thing is, you know, our guys have played together for, you know, a number of seasons. So uh, we're not going to be a team that maybe, you know, just came together last off season, or maybe they had a trade during the trade deadline. Uh, we won't have any of those situations where we have to bring guys up to speed. All right, JB, let's close this out with quick hits. Okay. Given that we don't know how the games are going to look sound on TV, if the NBA said, we want to mic you up and take it live, no delay, mm-hmm. would you be all right with that? Yeah, I'd be fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a coach that, you know, um, first and foremost, I'm not, I'm not the head coach, so I'm not going to say much on the, on the bench as is. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a person that, you know, uh, when, when, when I played, um, I always liked it when the coach, you know, you know, he, he didn't show a lot of emotions. So, you know, if, you know, a player messed up or anything like that, I'm not the type of coach that, you know, will, you know, you know, make, have a reaction to it. I kind of stay even keel. So I think that I would probably be the, the, the wrong person for them to mic up. Okay. I'd probably be kind of, kind of boring. <laughs> so but, who, so yeah, who, think, so who would be the most entertaining on the team? In terms of coaches, who who, who nah, go with up? player, go with player. Who would be the most oh, entertaining player to mic up? Uh, PJ Dozier is usually pretty animated on the uh, sideline. He's usually pretty good. Um, trying to think who else. Jamal Jamal Murray will get animated on on, on the sideline. We got some characters, so I I think for us, anyone that you want to have mic'd up on the sideline, I think <laughs> it would make for really good TV. All right, who's the guy then, since everybody's going to be stuck down there for quite some time, speaking of characters, who's the guy that will be in charge of making sure that everything is kept light when needed? Um, I don't think we, we have necessarily a guy for that. If I would have to pick one, uh, I would probably think, you know, Paul Millsap, he's a, you know, the veteran on our team. Um, Paul doesn't, you know, speak up a ton, but, you know, he does speak up when it's needed. And uh, when, when he does speak, you know, our guys will, will listen to him. So if I would have to pick one player, I would probably have to say Paul Millsap. What is the ceiling for Jamal Murray? Uh, the, the ceiling is, is, is whatever Jamal Murray wants the ceiling to be. Uh, you know, I think very highly of, of Jamal. I think Jamal uh, is capable of being uh, an, an all-star in this league. Um, you know, we just had a workout, you know, today and, um, you know, just how, how effort, effortless he is in terms of, you know, his shooting ability and, you know, his ability to finish at the rim. I mean, um, Jamal could be as good as good as he want to be. I think, I think he's more than capable of being an all-star in this league. You were a secret scout back in 2010 for, uh, mm-hmm. for Turner, according to our mutual friend, as you mentioned, Greg Pike. Mm-hmm. What's uh What's the most revealing thing you let people know? Well, I guess, you know, I wasn't, you know, revealing enough. Uh, I remember <laughs> one episode, um, I did the Secret Scout, and uh, Chris Weber and uh, Brent Berry got on me pretty good. Um, so I remember when I heard that, I ended up calling the the producer, and I was like, well, can I go back at those guys? And they were like, yeah, sure. Um, so that night, I came up with uh, a scout on uh, Chris Weber. And um, I, I looked on YouTube. It used to be on there, but I, I can't find it anymore. And I need to go look for it. And um, I got I got Chris Weber pretty good. And you know, I, I made reference to uh, the timeout he called in college, and <laughs> they played it on the air for him. And you know, he thought he he, he thought it was funny. He was he was good hearted about it. Um, thank God he was good hearted about it. But it it was it, it, it was pretty funny. And you know, if you guys could ever get an opportunity or get your hands on it and, and listen to it, I thought I thought it was pretty good. Do you have a, this was the longest travel day story from the G League? Oh, man. Every, every travel day was long from the G League. <laughs> is, is, um, is there one that was like, come on, really? We got to do this? Yeah, there, there was one. We were going to, I want to say Sioux Falls. And um, we went, we flew from Philly 
to Chicago. And then once we got to Chicago, there was a bad snowstorm. So we were trying to find some way to get into to, to, to Sioux Falls. Um, so we, we, got, we got delayed in the airport, and I don't remember exactly how long it was. Uh, but we saw that there was a possibility that we could fly to Minneapolis and then fly to Sioux Falls from there. So we ended up flying to Minneapolis. When we got to Minneapolis, they said that all the flights to Sioux Falls were canceled. So oh, we had to end up flying another flight from Minneapolis back to Chicago, stayed the night in Chicago, and then flew out to Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls early in that morning, and then we had to play a game that night. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably – yeah, that was probably the the, the craziest uh, travel day I had uh, in the G League. But the, the the G League and traveling is 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 very tough, very tough. So you've done player development now at the highest level, and now you know obviously assistant coach with the Nuggets doing it. What's the one thing you look back on that you may used to teach and maybe used to be a part of your development routine that you would never touch now? Um, I wouldn't say there's anything I wouldn't touch, but, you know, I've referenced it earlier. Um, a lot of times, um, you know, with our workouts, you know, the game has evolved. Uh, the game is, you know, a lot more three-pointers. It's a lot more finishing at the rim. Um, it's a lot more trying to get to the free throw line. So, you know, over the years, you know, the emphasis on the mid-range jumper has, you know, almost gone away. Um, I don't totally cut out the mid-range, the mid-range shot. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a lot less than what it was in the past. So, um, if I would say the difference from, you know, when I used to work with guys, you know, when I was with Atlanta to right now, it would have to be the emphasis on the three point shot and the emphasis on finishing at the rim. What's the dream now? Uh, the dream now is to hopefully become a head coach in the NBA one day. And, uh, that's what I'm working for. Um, just, you know, trying to learn as much as possible, um, the good thing for me is, you know, Coach Malone is, is, is a coach that each year he has given me more responsibilities and, you know, all the assistant coaches have, have been very helpful and, you know, teaching me the ins and outs and answering any questions that I have. So uh, hopefully I get that opportunity one day. All right. So final question for us. This is the Rejecting the Screen podcast. So, John, we always close the podcast by asking our guests, one guy that you could pick, game seven situation, life on the line, you need a bucket, who you going to to reject the screen, go ISO and get you a bucket. In your case, all the guys you've coached, worked out, who's the one guy you would choose to reject the screen, go ISO and get you a bucket? Whew, that's tough. Are guys, are guys in their prime or just when they were playing with me at the time? When they were playing with you. Mm. I'd probably have to go with Joe Johnson then. I think Joe has shown that, you know, during his time in the NBA, he was one of the more clutch players in the NBA. So I would have to go with Joe Johnson. Yeah, ISO Joe makes makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. All right, he's John Beckett, assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets. We appreciate all the time. Good luck at home. Good luck in Orlando. And we'll be rooting for you. All right, fellas. Thanks a lot. This was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. That's a heck of a story. Start from playing ball at Georgia State, Eckert College, the fourth level of basketball in Germany, still wanting to play pro ball, ticket sales for the Hawks, becoming a video coordinator, working in production for TNT and the inside the NBA. But what I think is so wild is that he paid, he was paying for all those G League workouts and he paid for a workout for the Denver Nuggets. And now he's an assistant coach. It's a remarkable story. And it's also, we hear every time, usually with these guys who have made it, oh, I had this goal. This is what I always wanted to be. With Usually with players, right? We know that. Coaches, it's a different story. A lot of times something happens. There's an injury. A guy doesn't even want to coach. Someone calls him up and says, hey, have you thought about coaching? And it's always something in the back of their mind, like something driving them. And with him, to hear him be honest about it and say, I had no idea what I wanted to be. I still feel the same way. I'm 44 years old and I have no clue what I want to do in life. And uh, it was the same thing with John. Like he, he was like, oh, I, have, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I will say this. He mentioned the name Luke Steele early on in Luke Steele's career with the Hawks. As he was a video coordinator, I was selling videotapes to college and NBA teams about elite high school prospects. So Dwight Howard, Gabe Pruitt, LeBron James, the guys that were looking to leave early 
and go right from high school to the Wait, pros. hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You just doing Gabe Pruitt in between Dwight Howard and LeBron James. I'm, I'm throwing out names of guys that left. It, there weren't that many guys who left high school to go to the league. So I could throw out a few. <laughs> J.R. Smith. Okay. Okay. I mean, at least at least name a guy right. from right, So we're gonna edit this. So it's gonna be Dwight Howard, LeBron, <laughs> J.R. Smith. Okay. Not gonna. The edit. point was though, the reason why I even mentioned the, the Gabe Pruitts of the world was because when guys like that started declaring, you'd get calls from the guys like Luke Steele, and I remember the Spurs called, and different teams would reach out and say, "Hey, we're hearing that, you know, a Gabe Pruitt or a J.R. Smith is thinking about declaring for the draft." can you send us some video? Because there wasn't as much available video in the early 2000s. You just had to hear about somebody who might've shot a tournament or a game or something else, and they'd go reaching for it. My point being, that's part of the video coordinator job back in the day. Obviously, it's not as much, so much anymore. You just do a YouTube search and you get kit video of any kid. But back then, that was also uh, part of the, the deal. So I wanna make this clear. We recorded this interview on Monday, June 8th. So you'll be listening to this Thursday, Friday, later in the week. And things can change and things do change by the hour. So if anything, and we always say all of our all of our going ice auditions are evergreen. This one is a bit different. His story is, but as we talked about the bubble and what is coming up for the Nuggets, yes, of course, those things are changing by the hour. So you're saying if like Jokic doesn't have a four pack when we see him again, right? You're referring to something. Right. Or if they, or if they say your families can come down immediately and everyone gets uh, a huge suite and everybody gets their own house and that's how it's going to work. But it is crazy that, you know, that the, that the teams themselves don't know all these details. It's one thing for the public not to know, but I think it's, I'm a bit curious that the teams themselves don't know all the details about how all of this is going to work because there are, as we've said for weeks now, there are so many variables at play here. And this is some task that the, that the league has on its hands. All right. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. So make sure you go to rockauto.com for the amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rock auto.com check out everything else going on on the locked on podcast network chad ford's nba big board especially even if your team is one of the 22 you can still be looking ahead to the draft because who knows how long your team's going to be in orlando also right. locked on nba five days a week hollinger and duncan every monday also locked on fantasy hoops with josh lloyd and your team every day all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam's on Twitter at Naismith Lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. On Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best. And remember to check out the follow-up. Noah's mm. podcast that he does with his daughter, Eden. Mm. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. The follow-up. You're Enjoy. the best, Noah. So shit.